The Okie Geek Podcast is brought to you by Okie Comics, a bi-monthly anthology publication showcasing the talents of Oklahoma creators with stories featuring Oklahoma. Copies are available at Half Price Books, New World Comics, Speeding Bullet Comics, All-Star Comics, Amazing Action Comics, Luton XP, Boarding House, Paseo Plunge, Museum of Osteology, and Commonplace Books, with more locations coming soon. You can find out more at okiecomics.com. Greetings and salutations, my fellow geeks, and welcome to episode 120 of the Okie Geek Podcast. It's season four. We're so very excited. And uh, brought to you by Okie Comics, I'm Michael Cross. I'm Devin Green. And I'm Nikki Robinson. And 2017 was an interesting year for women, beginning with the Women's March and ending with the hashtag MeToo movement. The voices of women seem to be finally getting heard, and that goes for pop culture as well. So we thought we would put together a panel of just women to listen to their thoughts, and Joshua and I are going to do what I think most men need to be doing right now, which is sitting down and shutting up. So I'm going to turn this over to Devin Green and... uh, Devin, it's all up to you. Hi, everyone. No pressure, right? Yeah. All right. I'm Devin Green, and this this actually came about due to a conversation that Michael and I had towards the end of last year, um, the dumpster fire that was 2017. And uh, it th- the conversation just kind of concluded with us saying that if 2017 was the year of the woman, um, we have some explaining, like we have some talking to do because uh, we can do way better. So um, that blossomed into me me inviting some of my lovely friends. I would say our uh, largest panel today. Yeah, our largest panel to date. And um, I will introduce them. Uh, Kelsey Burks, Courtney Oliphant, Casey Clifford, Candace Mitchell, Aaron Woods, Annie Novi, and Emily Savage. Sorry. And um, I've invited them here to talk about just a few key points and how um, how this conversation needs to get started, how this conversation already is happening, and how what we can do in our own lives to contribute to keeping this conversation going. So uh, without further ado, um, I thought we'd start with, I thought we'd start on the down note, which is uh, 2017, y'all. Um, we had a lot of scandals. We had a lot. So, um, just to name a few, Bill O'Reilly, Bill Cosby, the president, Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, uh, Ben Affleck, Ray Price, uh, Chef John Besh, um, Al Franken, and concluding, I think, I mean, maybe, maybe concluding Roy Moore. Like, really? I mean, does he, I don't even know if he even gets a place at that table. Don't forget about that. And then there were the, uh, yeah, I mean. Garrison Keillor. Lucy K. Garrison Keillor. There, you know, there were some voices that. It is shamefully long. It is shamefully long. And it's, it's it's not not a partisan, you know, it's not them. You know, it is, it is them. You know, I mean, but it's, it's across party lines. It's across, uh, you know. Industries. Industries. Cultures. Cultures. Everything. I mean, there's NPR is not without its share of scandal this year. So, um, so yeah. So, do do we want to dive into that? And and if so, start at one end and go to the other one and see what was the most appalling thing for each person. (laughs) 
yeah, like what was your what was your point where it was like, okay, wow, you, you know, like, like this is wow. beyond the pale. Started. Over here. Emily. Yeah, uh, Emily. I mean, I think I was appalled pretty much every time, but especially with Kevin Spacey because Baby Driver was one of my favorite. Dude, and, yes. and he was one of my favorite actors for a long time, and it's just one of those, well, explicitive, you know? <laughs> yeah, and like I had never heard anything. Some people you hear whispers and all sorts of stuff, mm. but I didn't. I hadn't heard anything, and then for the way he, that he. A quote unquote apologized and came Which out wasn't in the same really statement. <laughs> it just it conflated two things that should not be conflated at all, mm-hmm. and it was it was upsetting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I mean, is there anyone who isn't? For, should we should we elaborate on that at all? Is there anyone who isn't clear? Like, but one thing I will say with the Kevin Spacey thing, I am really happy with the reactions towards that because he got pulled from house of cards he got pulled from a lot of things and so <laughs> all the money in the world they shot that whole movie i heard mm-hmm. and then they, they had him and i oh gosh i'm christopher plummer christopher plummer yeah christopher plummer is now getting a ton of accolades and nominations right. for that performance where he was basically subbed in mm-hmm. eight days or something crazy. yeah, yeah it's like crazy. two weeks yeah yeah before right. the release two weeks yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and like i don't know if anyone knows about filming but that's yeah. not a lot of time. <laughs> that is no. not a lot of time no. to get into character, to embody the character, and to book locations. To well, book and locations and all that. Not to mention all of the other people who... And that I, Ridley Scott did... I, re, I read a, a short piece in the news that Ridley Scott did it primarily because there are so many other people involved in the making of a film and how, you know, or a show or anything that that would essentially just be not not recognized but or would, worst case that it would just not get made not get released and so yeah they would just can it mm-hmm. but good on netflix good on netflix for doing totally that. yeah i totally i'm good on them and does that conversation lead us into separating the man from the art because are you going to watch old kevin spacey movies i am yeah. because of those other people who will benefit from mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Because he's still going to get royalties from it. Right. I wonder, really? But we have to separate the man from the art, or do we? Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's a Woody Allen a- question for years, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That we've had. because, And he even poses it himself eloquently in the 90s and uh, Bullets Over Broadway. That's a, that's a thesis statement of that movie is, do you love the man or do you love the art? Because I think you can love the art and not the person behind it. I but do it with musicians all the time really? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I like their music I don't like who they are as a person yeah. I feel like that's probably like a more of a personal preference like there are a lot of real big jerks that after you know it comes to light that they are real big jerks yeah. I'm just it's kind done. of like yeah no there Same. are lots of other people who are good kind decent people who I could who deserve now. our attention yeah, yeah. so yeah. I just I agree. kind of but, but, if you, but if you can separate the artist from the art yeah go for it mm-hmm. but for I feel like for me anyway that i i just can't i mean yeah, it's so yeah. important for me to, that it's people just, not abuse their power yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and their talent doing with yeah. house of cards is they're going we're separate from this person and mm-hmm. that's what they totally divorced really themselves. Scott does yeah mm-hmm. with the yeah i mean my heart went out to robin wright like yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. because people who work on that there show are so many and to. and she was just the she's the reason i showed up to that show for the majority of the time because I it just personal preference, but um, 
but yeah, I mean, I immediately thought of all the people who, because I, I have family that works in the film. It's it's not a one, you know, it's definitely not a, just the people you see on the screen. That is, that's mm -hmm. the tip of the iceberg when it comes to production. And, but like you, Annie, I'm the same. I, I could never watch another Mel Gibson movie again yeah. after what came exactly. out. You know, he is an awful human. Can yeah. I can I just so say that I've always hated Braveheart and I never understood why that movie was popular. Well, I never understood why that movie was popular and that's and everyone's going, "Oh, it's a girl talking." All I'm like I can think zero, zero. Is it because they're dirty? What? Is it because they're dirty? Oh, yeah. I don't like I, I don't like dirty people in in shows. I don't like watching Vikings because of that. But I we had this conversation. No, yeah. This is what led into this is we had a conversation about Vikings and you had not Watched dove into it. that yet yeah, yeah, because yeah. you didn't like it shows oh, yeah. that people are actually you have to have dirty. a bath option and um at I least for some of the people I'm with you on not liking braveheart because it came out in the same year as apollo 13 and apollo yeah. 13 had to borrow devin's phrase my whole heart <laughs> and braveheart won best picture instead of apollo 13 so, so you were just jaded I, you were I, like i'm you were if you, you rewatch ahead of the if curve. you rewatch that movie and you like I think the fight scenes are probably pretty good. I'm not a real good judge of that kind of thing um, personally. But if you watch it just for the story, it is ridiculously silly. And and he creates stories about men who have zero flaws and are always right no matter what. And it's like let's see some growth. People are human. I. Uh, it's just it just drives me crazy. The villain is ridiculous. Rewatch it. It's horrible. It's it's don't don't <laughs> rewatch it, but take my word for it. Bra are you talking about Braveheart? Brave yeah. Heart. I was not sure if it was talking about Apollo 13. I was like, I thought that was no, Apollo 13 <laughs> is beautiful. So but Tom Hanks. I will give Braveheart though. So this is the only like little smidge. The music in that is fantastic. Beautiful. Yeah. The score is also. I bought like the the soundtrack and haven't watched it. Since. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm good with this. This is all I need. Like so, what was your devastation of 2017? You know, probably, well, probably the the thing that jaded me most was um, Louis C.K. I read that his was me apology, too. and he said something like, "Oh, well, you know." Um, I didn't I, I, all of he this behavior and, and it takes time away from my other projects and he like listed his projects. It, it was just so a plug. Yeah, the oh, unapologetic so plug. But you can't stop yourself from plugging. Yeah. And it was so insincere and was, he's like, "Well, it was really They ridiculous. didn't say he didn't he like well they didn't say no or something like that. So it was probably so and so yeah. just completely missing the target and going off into the weeds. But I was wasn't ridiculous. surprised by Louis CK because his yeah. I don't like his stand up anyways cuz well, it is gets on the verge of grotesque and so I was just like, eh, not surprised." Well, I mean, and it's sad that you knew. get that attitude. Most women in comedy already knew about this. Like, yeah. I learned all these stories two years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. About Louis C.K.? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, like, that's interesting. Crack.com did a whole list on creepy oh, stories. Yeah, and I remember and, that. And Louis C.K. was on there. And I think that dovetails nicely into the um, the question. And we will get back to the original, what was your heartbreak. But something to consider that we're going to talk about next is um, why this year? Why this year are these things being I put out in l the light and acknowledged as opposed to Mel Gibson? You know, he's still working. He's yeah. still getting films. Why, you know, why is this? Why are the victims coming that was forward years now? Ago. No, yeah. I'm saying why are, well, and in, in and a what, positive way, yeah, why yeah. are they getting? I think there's power in the, numbers. The traction. Is one of the reasons. Is because once one comes out and then they're like, okay, I'm not alone. Right. And then more come out and then more come out. And as... I don't 
as women, I think you have comfort with other women. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that a lot of women get dogs because they're like, oh, women don't get along with other women. Women, you know, attack other women. And that's something that a lot of news outlets and stuff want to push. But I don't see that. Not in everyday society. Mm -hmm. And once one comes out, they have that comfort in knowing that they're not alone. And they have that comfort in going, well, I'm not going to be the only one standing. Mm -hmm. And I have these people to lean on also. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the reasons that 2017 had so many come out that year. That's just mm -hmm. my opinion. No, I, I mean... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't think you can deny the power of digital media, though. No, definitely. For the a time, Mel Gibson versus today. I mean, it's just the uh, access and the immediacy of information, the ability and things to going share viral and like people being viral, able to share. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we we live in a very unique time where we get to choose what media we watch and listen to and acknowledge, mm -hmm. which I think is a really revolutionary thing even just tr not to get too sidetracked because this is something we do on the show a lot I'm going to try not to um I mean even the beginning of the year there's this huge YouTube scandal about this um I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to give him any credit but he went to the Japanese forest uh -huh. and showed some suicide victims and made a whole thing about it it's a huge scandal I will not say his name because I can't stand the guy but um but as soon as that hit Within a day, that video was down because there was such an uproar about it. And since we voted with our views and our thumbs down and our petitions and all that, because people signed petitions to take his YouTube channel down afterwards. I mean, we live in an age where we get to choose what we want to see and what we want to advocate, which is something very unique to our society in this day and age and this generation. So, I mean... As far as before you were limited to certain news outlets and these are what you have, now we have a far vast selections of what kind of dialogue we are having, which I think is fantastic. On that same note, without giving any accolades or thanking him, certainly, or saying his name, maybe our president brought some of this about, mm -hmm. his behaviors, his open behavior, and then his addiction to social media mm -hmm. brought other people to the table more Twitter accounts, more Facebook accounts, just to see what was this guy going to do next and how bad was it going to be? Right. Well, they had to how up the text, so <laughs> yeah. the text on Twitter because there's so much to say now. Yeah. To Devin's dismay. Do you think that's, I know, I mean, that's a, that's a personal bias, but I mean, do you think that's part partly why we got 280? I, do you think the president was like, I need more words? I don't know. I mean, I, I can't I condense this in 132 characters. <laughs> or that people just have so much more to say. I don't know. I, I think don't. it's just because Twitter is now where a lot of people get so much information. It's, I mean, it's a, it's, you can share a link to a news article, but the comment on that has to be so short. And I, I just think that it, people called for it. I don't personally care. I think, I, I think really it was better at the shorter version. I think it was better shorter. I feel like you had to really choose your words wisely yeah. with Twitter. That was <laughs> really the point, was brevity. You yeah. know, and that and that you have to really I, I joke that Twitter makes poets of us all because it you you had to turn so everything into a high truck. <laughs> so to to bring it back around, Aaron, what was your what was your breaking uh, point? What was the one I mean, if there was a one yeah. in particular I think that it was, was like I think it was just the fact that um there was it was devastating to see every so many people coming forward from so many different 
like we said, industries and sides of the coin and stuff like that. But it was the fact that the people who admitted it, even if their apology wasn't great, which m none of those apologies were any good, I don't think, um, they admitted it, they had consequences. And if they vehemently denied it, like Bill O'Reilly and a bunch of people on the right, they didn't feel the consequences as much. People still think Roy Moore is, um, Ray, Roy Moore is a hero or uh, uh, there was the right vote for them right. instead of being disgusted by what he did because he never admitted to anything. No, and there's yeah, so much, and there's so much, there are like literally facts out. I mean, like it's one of those things where we live in an age where people can deny and lie and that's considered truth in, in a certain, like, I, I don't know how to, uh, I'm not saying this correctly. It's, there is different sides of the quote-unquote truth instead of just the truth versus fiction. Right. Now it's like someone can, and it starts with our president, um, because our president, like most of the attack, quote-unquote attacks that he's feeling on himself are literally a Google search away for like actual facts about him mm -hmm. as opposed to what he's saying. As if, like, I, I go back to the beginning of the year and his inauguration. Didn't he say it was like the most highly attended yeah, inauguration the most and well attended and you could literally like there were literally the camera pictures of and how you know, no one was there and how yeah. it was very sparsely attended and definitely not i don't know the exact numbers but like there are facts that you can look up that dispute that but because he swears it's true it's it's a shakespeare line that michael will know which is a, a gallant all he has to do is tell a lie and swear it's true People prefer strong and wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Strong and wrong. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. Yeah. I'm. That's what devastated me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. But part of me was just like, who cares, President? No one cares. No one cares. Why are you making this a big deal? Like, okay, if it, even if it was or was not, you're still president. Why does it matter? Mm -hmm. You know. So like, you're focusing on wrong issues here. Consistently. What are you trying to hide? Oh, <laughs> but, so yeah. Well, that's a whole thing. Yeah. 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 What, what's going thing. on in the background that you're focusing on attendance rather than mm -hmm. policies or whatever is going on in the background? Right. So. Well, I think it's a way of him to point at news people and say that they're lying, because if he's swearing that a lie is true and people are reporting the facts, then he can point to them and say look at how they're wrong, look at how they're attacking me. And so I think it's just, a, I think it's a way, and, and other people have sort of either learned that or been doing it for years and we're just now noticing it, like going, oh yeah, you can actually do this. You can deflect from anything by, by saying certain, certain things and swearing that a lie is true. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a real, and, I'm, and I guess that's, I guess that rolls into what I'm so, ex what, what made me, sad but ultimately happy and satisfied was the me too movement later in the year because i think as a gender uh we rose up and we said you know because i think i i have to i have to think that the me too movement also crossed uh, political boundaries. I, I bet there's a lot of cross gender boundaries too. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. Really great. Cause I know just on my Facebook feed, I mean, it was just like, wow, mm -hmm. you too, huh? You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
and it's just like and like I said there's solidarity in numbers mm -hmm. and when there's numbers you know that you're not powerless so I think that is a wonderful thing but I think it's also a way to say this is the truth this yeah. is you, this you can is, deny one person you can, but you yeah. can't deny a hundred thousand exactly yeah, yeah. So I think that making, just giving the truth a voice and a powerful campaign was something that came out of all that, which I think was a good, which was a great thing. Mm -hmm. Candace, I think interestingly enough, and I'm not, I'm not that into the Hollywood, but Harvey Weinstein, it didn't surprise me at all. First of all, and we, I think we'd all heard rumors about his behavior before, but when you look back many, many decades. Women in Hollywood were writing books. The best one I can think of right now is Scarlett O'Hara's Little Sister. Very, very old book. Um, she talks about the casting couch. We've known it was there. Yeah. The women knew it was there. Some it's a of trope. them went I mean, willingly. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we deal with that? Yeah, how do we unpack that? How do we? And I'm, I'm so glad that Rose McGowan came out and allowed others to, yeah, in numbers, come forward, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, I really wonder about the Meryl Streep issue. I'm not clear on that. Whether she knew or not, I don't I don't know how we'll find out. Right. But would he even have approached her? Would she have been a victim? Because she's seen differently today than she would have in her early years in Hollywood. When you're a professional woman in the workplace in your twenties, you might be the sex kitten, as viewed by the men, perhaps not by yourself. In your forties and fifties, you transition to the mom right. in the workplace. So was she aware? Did she know about his behavior specifically? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Is she responsible for that? But many of the women who participated knew what was going on. They gained from it. How do we unpack that? Right. Do you think, I think, I mean, like, I would think that maybe they thought they were um, using all their tools. Yes. And that's a weird place to be because... I mean, we have to help them. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I think it goes back to, I mean, sorry, this is like, this is my picadillo about the porn industry, which is so many people see it as a feminist, uh, empowered. Yeah. We're empowered sexually. This is a thing. This is a choice. This is a, this is, we should never be ashamed of it. And other people view it as horrific and horrible and contributing to horrible things in our society. And it's like, who, who's right. 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 Or, or can both sides be right? Can we, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, That's probably the, the more push accurate. me pull you of it is, so. you know, how do we exist in a space and acknowledge that there, you know, while there is a consistency with the Me Too movement, how do we marry all of those voices? And that's part of why I wanted to have you all here. I want to unpack this for myself. I want to understand how other women understand it and feel out their place in it. So, I mean, yeah, how, how do you, how do you reconcile these things? But... Again, getting back, <laughs> getting back to how this start, how, how the year started this. for you, um, you know, or what was the what was the breaking point? What was the point where you just had to recognize it for what it is and, and acknowledge it? Well, I know we're talking about 2017, but for me, the heartbreak started when we elected a predator, and my personal Me Too movement has been going on for 23 years. I first spoke out about my own childhood sexual abuse when I was 20 and uh, my assault in college and just multiple other ways in which men chose to have power over me and a woman. I mean, I was sexually abused by a woman, a babysitter. Um, and so for me, 
the heartbreak, just the, the grief of those tapes. And I have friends who live and work in New York who are musicians who have side jobs, side hustles, and several of them worked events that Trump were out over the years, like years ago. And um, he took advantage of them. He said he treated them wrong sexually. He, you know, I mean, these are women that I know, like it's, this isn't some like, well, maybe somebody doctored some tapes or like, no, like these are actually people that I break bread with and make music with. And, um, and so for me, I think the heartbreak started when half of our nation decided that that was okay Mm -hmm. or, or, or validated it. Right. And Mm -hmm. said, because, and said, this is who we want. This is, we're going to look past that. And, um, for me, it's a sort of, um, I think the Me Too movement is Trump certainly, uh, to have a man like that in the highest office of our country, uh, is such a thing of giving permission to that sort of behavior. And so it's this very interesting juxtaposition in our culture of people coming forward and saying no more. And then also this whole other pushback of permissiveness, whether it's, I mean, things like Charlottesville, I mean, like we've seen this whole, like the, the polarity of it is really mind blowing to me. And I think that, uh, for me, the me too movement, uh, well, when the tape, you know, when all those recordings came out, Uh, before the election and then I was super triggered you know and uh just the like because you're just all of a sudden in the national discourse and on Facebook and like was just this like back and forth and people didn't believe it and some people did and you know oh those women you know like just victim shaming and (laughs) those um, women and it's like oh my god oh my god like and I remember like sending out like a Facebook message doing a piece of writing and saying like, if you are triggered in your trauma, like it is okay. You would, you are not alone. Like mm-hmm. the, if you are reading this, do not sit behind your screen and just let all of this scroll past you, like reach out. Like, because women were coming to me and saying, Casey, like, and I kept, you know, I said like, this is for, for those of us who've been through this, like, this is not easy to read. Like, this is not like, this is incredibly personal. And, um, and women started emailing me their stories, women who had never spoken before. Like, and so like I had this kind of me too movement with my friends Mm -hmm. and with women on Facebook who were like, Casey, thank you so much for sharing. And this happened to me and I've never told anyone. My husband doesn't even know. Mm -hmm. And like, and so then to have the me too movement happen, I think that, I think the other thing and this may hit wrong and I'm probably talking too much. I'm sorry. Um, the, uh, the interesting thing about the Me Too movement for me, I was all at once, like, elated to see it happening. And also, like, you know, some of us, like, came for it a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, some of us have been speaking this truth. And I'm so glad that there are voices that have been added to that chorus. But uh, but it's overdue. Like, yeah, and, yeah. and just, and also feeling like in like, even here, like focusing on the celebrities, like mm-hmm. to me, like I'm focusing on the soccer mom mm-hmm. and like that girl in college who finally, who nobody knows her name. Like she doesn't have any followers on Instagram. Like these are just women. Like to me, that was the more impactful thing was the, the every woman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it's cause it's, it, cause it's, 
it's not easy to come out no matter who you are, whether you're famous or not. Like it's not easy to step forward and speak your truth and stand in your story. Um, there's so much power in it. It's the first step to taking back your power is breaking the silence. Um, so to see that happen in like those shock waves across weeks and weeks and weeks, like that was amazing. It also, I hope it continues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It shouldn't just be a one-off. Right. It shouldn't just be a hashtag. Right. Like it needs mm-hmm. to be because I it's not a hashtag for me. It's not it's something I've lived, something I've had to. I mean, it, it's had huge, massive, traumatic repercussions in my life, in my marriage, in my relationships, mm-hmm. like to be able to really say, oh, my gosh, you told your story. Now, how can we help you? Right. Mm-hmm. How can we help heal those women so that they can have their power back? Because mm-hmm. there's this whole other backstory to that. Right. Mm-hmm. There's this, there's work to be done. And a help. lot of it, it takes a lot of work. So much work. Yeah. yeah. 20, I'm 23 years in and there's still work to be done, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I'm that about was the, the same myself, so I completely understand. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Casey. You're welcome. And thank you that's for sharing your story. We really yeah. appreciate that. You. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking earlier. Talk about passionate women. About geekiness and about, you know, identity, really. Yeah. And, you know, and I... I wanted to clarify that we started this podcast because we we want to talk to people who are passionate about whatever. And that's led into this beautiful, amazing thing where we can sit here with our friends and talk about anything. And um that that's why. That's that's you know, that's the joy of this is is that so I can so we get to do this. That's why. Well, and so. I'm a geek about vulnerability. Yeah. I'm a vulnerability geek. I can I'm I, a feeling totally geek. That. Like <laughs> yeah. You know, like I'm like, well, what does what does it feel like? Like I like so yeah. I find that extremely interesting cuz I was the exact opposite. <laughs> I didn't feel anything. And so it took about three years of therapy before I was able to like let down those walls and actually sure. start feeling. Yeah. And now I cry at everything. It's such a good it's, having feelings. So, it's so, so good. Great. And healthy. Yay, you. And yeah. Like, yeah. We were, wa- what were, we were watching. Oh, was that was that rehab show? Celebrity rehab? No, 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 no. Like which one? Twenty eight days. Twenty eight days with Sandra Bullock, which is fantastic. Intervention. 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 Okay. I watched that. I bawled my eyes out. Like I was just like, that's someone's daughter. That could be Jane. You know, just and learn to internalize and empathize. And having had gone through those experiences, use it towards a positive, and be able to identify with these people. And even though I don't have a drug addiction. I have I had an addiction to not feeling because it was easier. It's easier to go to those drugs than it, and it's easier to not feel anything. Mm-hmm. Sure, numb is definitely easier. Yeah, yeah. But, but in some ways, it's more painful. It's right. it's lonely. Yeah, it's very very lonely. And I had to really, like I said, three years therapy every day or not every day, twice a week for two and two and a half years, and then we knocked it down to one week once a week, and then now I only go once a month. So I, right. you know, it's yeah, like, you, and that's part of doing the work, and, and it's work. And, and there are days you don't want to go to therapy, you don't want to talk, and it is work, and you just you just want to go back into that shell. Mm-hmm. And so for anybody out there listening, I know it sucks. Going to therapy sucks. It, it does. There are days where you're like excited to go. You're like, I have so many things I need to talk about. <laughs> right? gonna, I've got a bullet got, list right like, here. Like yeah. you take notes, and then there's days that you're just like, I don't want to go. I don't want to talk to this. I personally got a man therapist because I identify with a more 
stoic type person because I was very stoic. So I was like, I don't go cry to a woman. But then I was like, and it worked very well for me because I, I think more logically and less because I thought more logically and less emotionally. But he actually taught me how to think more emotionally, which was a great transition. And so he tapped into my thinking and then taught me how to feel again, basically. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but um, I find that very interesting. But having emotions is great. Now, <laughs> that's soon <two> up. <laughs> just so you know, emotions are good. Even it's they're hard to get sometimes, but I'm curious yes. about that situation when on the days you didn't want to go, mm-hmm. was that because your your walls were particularly built up and strong that uh, day? I actually or? have an anxiety disorder called okay. hypervigilance. And um yeah, and those were the days that where it was like my anxiety was high and the way I would deal with that was just not to feel anything. So you're insulated on that yeah, day. Yeah, and like I went through a divorce and everything, and um, I just learned just not to do anything. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I still loved my children. I was very still affectionate to my children, but those were, like, my safe spaces, you know, where right. I could be. Um, but with everybody else, it was always, like, kind of arm's length. Like, no one truly knew everything about me, and I couldn't name one person that knew all my little piccadillies and, like, flaws and everything And because I could never allow anyone to get that close. Right. And that caused problems in my relationships. It caused, I mean, even with my children, I mean, I, I love them deeply. and But I could never, like, fully go head in, you know. You know, I was, I think I'm a good mom. But, you know, everyone hopes they're a good mom. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, it was, those were the days where it was like, I don't want to talk, man. I don't want to, I don't want to be yeah. here. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this anymore. But I knew it was what was good for me and what was right for me, and you just force yourself to do it. And that's the hard part. Yeah. yeah. It's called work for a reason. It's called growth is never, you get those growing easy. pains all the time, right? <laughs> growth right. is never easy. No. I don't mean to, to, to take up all the time, so. Because <laughs> I will talk about me for a long time, so. Which is okay. <laughs> Which is, we acknowledge that, and we yeah. love it. Courtney. Oh, okay. Duck, uh, duck, goose. <laughs> my turn. Well, I guess, like, part of what's bothered me the most is just the general surprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the Louis the C.K. What? thing. Mm-hmm. Like, Jen Kirkman talked about that on the podcast. That's That episode's no longer available. She had to take it down uh, two or three years ago. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, and Bill Cosby was making jokes about putting things into women's drinks before the Cosby show started. Mm-hmm. 30 yeah. Rock brought that up a couple of times. They also brought up Weinstein several times. Yes, yeah. So I'm just sort of like, where have you been, people? Yeah. yeah. Why have we not been having this conversation sooner? Mm-hmm. Or why have we... believe women. People didn't believe Well, why women. would you? I don't understand what you're talking about. Well, even right. members of my family say, you know, when they were at Thanksgiving, when... You know, Roy Moore was brought up, and and this person said, "Well, how reputable are these women? How come and we like, have to validate?" I'm like, "Oh, really? So eight women together do not meet the standard of being believed yeah. as, as one man? Yeah, like really? Mm-hmm. The parody. Yeah. How many there? women do you have to put on the scale really? to like, tip it? The, exactly. Right? How many yeah. stories have All to build up? All these eight women, and the truth just is, is that to have one is similar. One you know, story experiences is with this one man, but oh well, you know, 
And you see Even a consistent if pattern of repute, behavior. It doesn't matter. You need to start listening to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. this stuff happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it just, yeah, I, I yeah, sorry. Okay. I, I had my own recent personal experience <laughs> with the uh, women aren't believed. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then I do feel like there's some gatekeeping through the Me Too movement on like, okay, at one point, are you a victim? Yeah, because that, I mean, that came up a lot in the feeds. Was uh, okay? Were you just proven? Were you just, you know, or did something actually happen? And well, we talk what about actually what consists of actually, you yeah. know? And then we talk about you know like complicity, like oh, did she know? But you have to understand that she is also involved in an abusive, misogynistic system. Mm-hmm. So even if she knew, would she have felt even empowered or safe? Right. Especially if it's like someone who's your boss, yeah, controls mm-hmm. your livelihood. Mm-hmm. Would you or worse? Yeah, you know, I mean, like, if, even if Meryl Streep had come out, would anyone believed her, exactly. or would she have been dismissed? I mean, Corey Feldman's been saying for years and years, mm-hmm. I was abused as a child, and we've written him off. Yeah, absolutely for decades. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's something that. You know that it, that that again is is a reason why we're all here is to unpack the, you know, the messy language of and 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 the messy situation of, you know, how we acknowledge and understand and move forward. Now that we finally cast some light on on these goblins, like how do we, what do we do? How do we how do we do it, mm-hmm. Kelsey? So, <laughs> probably either way that we uh, started this table, probably in the same way, because I was going to, my first thought was, like, the Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. one. That was, like, just shocked me, because, like, really I haven't seen a lot of his movies, but I always just kind of respected him as an actor, because mm-hmm. there's this one movie, not, I don't think, really well-known, but it's called The Ref. It's a Christmas movie with Dennis Leary. Oh, yeah, I love it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the ref, yeah. Unpack that one again. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the thing. Like this right. came out right before because every Christmas, according to this, me and my family always watch these Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. Like it always starts with Die Hard, and then usually because Die Hard is a Christmas. Movie. Die Hard is, is Christmas the movie. Christmas movie. The Christmas movie. <laughs> um, but the ref is always in there, and so that's what I know him of the most. And we kind of, my parents and I, are like, well, we're we going to still watch the ref. Right. And I'm like. Yes, I still like I still enjoy his imp- performance in that, even though it is tainted now. Mm-hmm. Like you see the stuff, and you're just like, oh. yeah. That's one of the things is you just can't unsee it. Yeah. That was the that was Mel Gibson for me, and I I hate to keep leaning on that, mm. but it's just like that was when I really had to have the conversation with myself about art versus artist and like where that line is yeah, for and you. The, yeah. Like in the performance of the uh, other artist in there. They still do a great yeah. job. Yeah, but that's that's my thing that, with Mel Gibson so. and the Patriot, because like Heath Ledger's so good in the Patriot. Right. <laughs> just well, fast forward though. Yeah. <laughs> right. My uh, like, favorite film this year was Baby Driver. Yeah. And right. Every time I bring up that soundtrack, there's Kevin Spacey's face on yeah. the cover. And you're like all mooning out at you. Yeah, same. Because it was Baby Driver was a fantastic movie. Oh yes, really that kid. Was. That kid was so talented. I'd never seen him play mm-hmm. anything before. Uh, he was almost Han Solo. Was he? Mm-hmm. Was he really? Oh, was he in yeah. the Fault in Our Stars? Okay. Was it the same guy that was in the Fault in Our Stars? Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. I haven't watched Emily the Fault very confident. I, I, I read I, the book. I, I can confirm. So say Emily is super into Baby Driver. Twice. She got me to watch it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I saw it and went, oh my God. Oh and then my I listened God. to the soundtrack and I went back. And the soundtrack, I mean the entire soundtrack, including Kevin Spacey's little song on the soundtrack, which I don't listen to anymore. It's <laughs> on my top yeah. 100 Spotify this year. Yeah, absolutely. So I just listen to it constantly. I listen to it on the drive. It I just want to find the, the stunt drivers out. and hug them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's what the star <laughs> of the movie is, really, is the, the stunt drivers. <laughs> like, yeah. I was running a little late this morning. I was like, man, I wish I could just drive like I was in baby driver. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh. Absolutely. Um, so... Let's so talk about Edgar Wright. I hope he doesn't... I hope it never comes to light about anything horrible about right? him. That would we hurt had, a we, lot. We had this... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we had this conversation at Thanksgiving, I think. Yeah, it was my brother and I, and it was, you know, <laughs> who essentially, who, because w- it started with someone, and I was like, also a rapist, you know, like, just, <laughs> just, just throw that just throw it out there, and it led to my brother and I having a conversation about, you know, who's, who's the person you, you know, you will, be- you will believe them, but you'll be super disappointed, <laughs> like, you know, who are, who are the people that, you know, it's time to just chuck it all on the on the dumpster fire and go, mm-hmm. you know. But Edgar Wright being one of them, mm-hmm. yeah. But what do you think? I was I had a revelation that's sort of on topic. Mm-hmm. I was go. thinking about the juxtaposition of this year to Casey Affleck winning that award. Mm-hmm. Like, would he like in a post Me Too world? Would that be right. allowed? Right? Would would he be? Yeah. I don't I know. Mean, I like, wonder. would Manchester by the Sea? I mean, would that be? Because didn't he allowed? win? The, did he, he won it. He won the Oscar. Because I've so. And there were like people who didn't stand up for him, and like people who didn't clap. Like there was like yeah. there was a wave of oh hell no, like yeah, b- like you okay. Know, I am so then, late to the party. What's up with Casey Affleck? Yeah, I don't. He's he, uh, It was abusive. I mean, it's pretty creepy I've children, stories. but like oh, really bad stories about him. It was abusive and. Someone woke up with him in the bed with her, and uh, just gross. Yeah, yeah. When was this? In the past few years. Oh God! Mm-hmm. Now they're I all know. running together. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like that's the hard part. Kind is of like the thing too is like it just it turns into this blur. Yeah. I just, I just ugh. Finding the defining lines. Yeah. But would he have won that award? Right. Like, you would know, it would, even have been allowed? Like, yeah. Would it even make a difference? That's really the question. I mean, the thing for me, and I don't know why, it, but it wasn't any particular, well, it was one in particular, but it's the vehemence with which he denies it's the Harvey Weinstein. Like, hiring ex-Mossad to spy on people who are accusing you of something, I mean, that speaks to some comic book villain, like, (laughs) trope of no one must know my secret. Like, are you just going to kill all of them? Like... Mm -hmm. How ridiculous is this going to get before people are just like, he's an a-hole. Like, let's just call, you know, let's call it what it is. And as opposed to this wacky circus that is, you know, hiring spies and, you know, taking, you know, hiring reporters and, and, you know, and firmly, you know, getting, you know, trying to recruit people onto your side to deny, you know, it's... It is really? a massive sense of entitlement. Really? A massive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hear massive. he might be facing RICO charges. Which is really awesome. Yeah. He Fantastic. hired an entire <laughs> network to detrimentally affect someone's livelihood. Ooh, I hope he gets sued. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah he mm-hmm. did. 
But that that brings up an interesting idea of the the idea of men as our enemies versus men as our allies and versus what we talked about before the podcast started, which is raising our sons. Uh, I talk about that. I'm not a mom, so I'm I, I, I defer to, I, I defer to all the moms in the room. Yes. But like raising our sons uh, to to be to not because because this behavior is the symptom of a bunch of a bunch of uh, distant like an illness in our country i mean that's it's not just one or two comic book villains sitting there although Harvey weinstein probably is a comic he book totally villain. is a comic book villain, um, by the way but it's it's the it's casey affleck i mean i don't i'm just i'm just learning about that today <laughs> but i would guess it's because there's been a lot of looking the other way there's been a lot of acceptance of this behavior in some ways in his life that he's been able to get away with it a lot of publicists yeah a lot of publicists covering stuff up there's a lot of and then what led to that behavior what i mean casey affleck is a successful nice looking man who has probably a lot of success with the ladies so why is he a predator yeah like why are any of these about people power, predators it's not about yeah it's exactly about power. you're it's exactly about right sex. but i mean what what gets somebody to that point where it's about power and uh, as a lot of us have pointed out that the me too movement is not just one gender it's it's crossing genders so uh men are also our allies as 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 victims as well as people who are having similar experiences to us and so we need to you know, I feel like there is needs to be a lot of allies in our within across party lines, if I can say that. No, you know? yeah, I mean, I hope this is an insult to Casey Affleck because I don't know who he is, so I'm having to Google it. Oh, it's been awesome. <laughs> well, we talk about you who's, know, who's this guy? I don't even know. Men well, are anyway. victims of me too. Like that stuff about Terry Crews just <gasps> broke my heart. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Anyone would try to hurt Terry Crews is right. Deeply upsetting to me. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to hit the point again about how do we change this? And uh, Aaron brought up a great point about raising our children. I think that is the key and the utmost key. Not only teaching our sons how to treat women, but teaching our daughters how to stand up against this and that they do have a voice. Because I am blessed enough to have a boy and a girl and be done. And, (laughs) And, you know, there have been plenty of arguments in my family of, we like to throw the football around. Jane can't throw it as far as Trent. Trent's two and a half years older than him, than her. And she gets upset because she can't throw it as far as her brother. And I, it's a constant conversation that we are having in our family that he'll tease her because he, she can't throw it that far. And she'll feel bad. And I have to tell her, Jane, did you do your best? And she'll be like, yeah. And I was like, did you throw it correctly? You know, she had, she had the perfect little spiral going and everything, throwing the football. <laughs> and I was like, there are always going to be people better than you, and there are always going to be people less better than you. And this, that's the, the part for my son. That I was like, there's always going to be people better than you, son. So chill out. <laughs> right? <laughs> and with her, it's always, you did your best, and you know you did your best. And just because your brother did something better doesn't mean you're in that your throw was any less important than his. And, you know, it's it's a football. No one thinks, like, that's going to make a difference in a child's life. But it really can. If you just it show them that they have a voice and they can do things, and even if it doesn't land as good or better or anywhere in between, that 
they do have what it takes and it takes practice and it takes time but they can do it mm -hmm. and that's a and then you have to and go then you have to go over to your son and be like son stop being an a-hole <laughs> you know <laughs> basically <laughs> you know you're be nice to your sister treat her well I was like and I always have to tell them when I'm gone she's all you got <laughs> so you know you better watch out for her and it's about our sons watching out for their sisters it's our sons watching out for their wives it's our sons watching out for their cousins and everything and I am blessed super super blessed and I don't use that word very often to have some wonderful feminist men in my life Joshua Unruh Michael Cross I'm gonna give a shout out to Dylan which is one of my friends Carly's husband wonderful wonderful feminist men that are out there since they know that they have a voice that may be heard over ours, that they are speaking out. And those are men that I am very proud to know. One thing that I try to stress is consent. Mm -hmm. um, it can start from the very smallest thing, like tickle fights. Mm -hmm. As soon as someone says stop mm -hmm. or right. someone says, no, I don't want to have a tickle fight right now, it stops. Mm -hmm. That's the best way that you can teach consent and respect for boundaries, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And too often, these, you know, young men uh, are brought up that, oh, when they say stop, they really mean yes, and mm -hmm. no means yes, oh and God. all of this nonsense. And so you do get to the point where grown women are saying, hey, this thing happened to me, where I feel like if it's very important to me to teach consent. No means no. No means no. Mm -hmm. I don't want to right now means you stop pushing me. Mm -hmm. Because I am a person with agency. Mm -hmm. And what I want matters. And my own personal feeling of being safe in my own life is more important than your hurt feelings about being rejected oh, right. yes. even if you are in an intimate relationship especially no I, would say. I mean no mm -hmm. especially and that's yeah. it mm -hmm. end of story i love Stop your resolve pushing. i just I, <laughs> right? you're so I have, clear and lovely I'm it's just wonderful. like yes all of this well and so well it comes from personal experience mm -hmm. um so i do try to be mindful of Every little thing adds up. You know, you pick up a penny every day for a month. Suddenly you can, you're, you know, every day for a year. And on the, all of a sudden you got a big pile of coins. I mean, it does add up. Absolutely. So every opportunity I get, um, whenever they tell me stop, whenever they say no, you know, stop right now, mm -hmm. I do. I'm like, okay. And, yeah. I, and I physically stand up and I back away. Mm -hmm. Because that sends a very powerful, not only verbal message of, you know, okay, no more right now, but physical message of, look, I'm practicing what I'm preaching. Mm -hmm. That's we, fantastic. Uh, I love all that. And I, yes and amen. And I, very similar with my daughter, will be like, tickle me. And she'll be like, stop. But yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. We always do. For us, it started really early. My family are huggers. And my daughter, Beatrice, is a sensory kid. And, um, so, and she's a sensory avoider. So everything feels 
looks, smells, tastes, everything's bigger mm -hmm. to her than it would be to a normal person. And um, so she doesn't always want to be touched. She doesn't always want to be hugged. She doesn't, you know, but my, my family's like, way. come here, give me a hug. You got to give me a hug. And I'd be like, she doesn't have to do anything to you. Yeah. If she mm -hmm. wouldn't give you a hug, she wouldn't oh give my you a That's exactly like, what I do with my daughter. Know, like, yeah. So we always say you need to find, but I tell them you, you need to find a, a kind, respectful way to say goodbye to your grandma. Um, you can give her a hug, a handshake, a high five, or a wave. Um, those are your choices. Uh, what, what do you choose? You know, and oftentimes she'll melt into a hug with somebody safe. You know, sometimes she'll be like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything like, okay, we'll just look him in the eyes and say, it's good to see you. Mm -hmm. And you know, we're teaching you know, social skills without the breaking of boundaries. Um, and so cons consent starts, you're right. It starts so early. It has to, you know, we've been having conversations with our kids about sexual abuse since they first had language. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. um, and about their bodies and about what's what, and you know, everything has a proper name. It's an anatomical name. It doesn't get some, you know, we talk about not having secrets. Um, you know, we use the word surprises instead of secrets. Like, mm. you know, you don't ever have a secret, like you have a surprise. Um, so That's because you think thing, about yeah. predatorial That's... language yes, um, and yeah. the way that people, cause it's not, it's not the guy. It's almost never the guy the creepy guy who in the bushes, in the bushes. yes it's uncle joe mm -hmm. or that coach or that babysitter or you know so that's so important and i those mm -hmm. conversations start early and you know talking about the the teaching your boys thing um my son is two and a half and we're still figuring all that out my, my husband is real geeky like is not um is not the macho type of masculinity. Like he wasn't real athletic. Um, so I love that they're seeing a model that he gets to see a model that is all man, but is not those definitions of that. Mm. Um, but it's interesting cause Hollis is very athletic. Like he's like, he loves balls. Mm. I see David like trying to figure out like, <laughs> how do I be this kid's dad? You know, like let's throw the ball, bud, you know, <laughs> That was but my. He also loves Star Wars, you know, like so. But teaching you, know, he loves princesses. He has a sister. He loves to throw on a tiara. Like, um, I, I, I want to believe, and maybe I'm optimistic. Um, I want to believe. Do you guys remember? Some of y'all are like, I wasn't born. Um, <laughs> do you? For some of us, we will remember um, when Ellen DeGeneres first came on and mm -hmm. um, when Will and Grace first came on, mm -hmm. um, you know, in the Matthew Shepard era yes, of tragedy yeah. mm -hmm. um, with homosexuality and uh, sexual identities um, and how far that we've come. And I think about the generation now who doesn't think twice, like most of them, there are people who have been schooled and bred to think poorly about that. But there's a whole wave of people who kind of, of kids who don't know, like right. they have a gay friend in school and it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's a non-issue. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love that. And I want to hope that the same will be true for women's issues, that some of these issues, like we're raising a, a group of men and women who will see it differently mm -hmm. in for right. the better yeah and that's what we're I mean <laughs> that's the goal that's the goal that's the dream you know but it's not a dream it's an accomplishable goal you know Candace brought up something you're you know you're raising two T boys well I've raised kiddos. one my oldest son is 28 I have a girl in the middle she's 23 and I have a 17 year old boy mm -hmm. and it's different 
with the 17 year old where I'm raising him differently. I want his sensitivity level to be a lot higher Mm -hmm. because I didn't even think of things the same when I was raising my oldest Mm -hmm. son. Right. Um, I feel like, again, back to the workplace, as a young professional, it was like part of the hazard of my job to be chased around a desk back then. You just accepted it. Mm -hmm. And you did everything you could to keep it at bay. But And I've had this conversation with my mom. She goes, yeah, it's just how it was. Mm-hmm. You know, we are the stronger sex when you get right down to it. We've put up with a hell of a lot. Right. And and now now it's being recognized. It's ridiculous. Thank goodness it's being recognized. But so with these boys, I'm we're ultra sensitive with the 17-year-old. And my husband, working in politics and in the media, is really conscious of having women involved mm-hmm. in his shows. Yeah. Um, I think today he had Jerry Askins on. Tomorrow he'll have mm-hmm. Tammy West. You have to you have to include these women. And it's harder in Oklahoma because there are not as many women involved. Truth. When they are involved, you know, like a, a good example is Leslie Osborne. She's in leadership mm-hmm. at the last um, session of the legislature. And she's, you know, going forward on to bigger and better things. We have to be there to support that. And we have to teach our young men to support that. Not because they're women. Right. Because they're right for the mm-hmm. job. Because they're right for the job. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and... I love that. I love that statement. Making a point. I love that uh, statement because, I mean, this seems a little petty compared to that, but, like, in the gaming realm, you know, girl gamer. Oh, she must be a fake gamer. You know, she's not a real gamer, blah, blah, blah. Why do you have that modifier? Yeah, and I don't say, oh, I'm a girl gamer. I'm just a gamer. (laughs) Right. I'm just a gamer. I'm a person that plays video games. And it used to really irk me when they're, like, when they'd be, like, Oh, it's a girl gamer. Oh, na, 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 na. It's a uh, unicorn. It's a what? unicorn. And I'm like, you realize, because I'm all about statistics. So I'm like, uh, actually, a study came out that 48% of gamers are women. So really, I mean, we're I'm not, not that yeah, rare. And actually, 48% of women play uh, console games. And 58% of women play handheld games so really when it comes to your legend of zelda on the game boy more women are playing that than men so <laughs> i mean so i love that statement so well then they can be so dismissive of like mm-hmm. little games like bejeweled or cooking with mama those aren't real games those are games. They're, real, they're, real games. they're hard yeah, yeah. You know have you tried cooking with Mama? You know what, level? <laughs> you know what level i've been stuck in on bejeweled for so long or candy crush <laughs> stuck i haven't even tried it's too hard <laughs> and i refuse to pay money and oh, i'm yeah. like I, I will have to wait for those lives to reset before I i'm the same with my bubble pop game that I play. like oh and then just to go back to politics for just a second i'm very proud of norman right now we have a female majority city council Ooh, that's awesome norman. Norman. What a great thing. Yeah. my norman knights are in Ooh, the house yeah. fantastic surrounded by all these OTC and people it's fantastic that it's in Oklahoma, and it also, it sucks that we have to point that out. You know, I mean, that's... I think it's the first time, too, that we've yeah, had a female majority. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, you know, we're still in Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... So. Oh, we still have a long way to go. And when but you think right. about it, women in politics, it makes sense. We're mothers. Even if you haven't given birth to a child, you are a mother in some respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it's it happens to us. Well, I mean, and that's something I would, I'd like men to be able to do more emotional labor and feel mm-hmm. secure and safe doing emotional well, that's about, labor. That's feminism. Yeah. I mean, it's not just about women because I advocate feminism all the time, but it's not only for my daughter. 
it's for my son too mm -hmm. and that's one of the things especially like section eight uh i did some stuff with section eight with ou um went to a few like they had a few meetings and stuff because i didn't know anything about it so i was interested and that's when i realized i was like you know this isn't just about my daughter being having her rights covered this is also about my son having his rights covered and him being believed just as much as my daughter being believed and uh, anyone with sons you know want their sons to be believed just sure. as much as they want their daughters to be right. believed well and we we want i think a common misconception is how do we improve like when we when we pile all these loaded words feminism me too sexual abuse um child abuse uh we we often don't come back to you know i'm a i'm a feminist because i want everyone in this world to be able to navigate this world in a safe way. Like, I want them to be able to express their thoughts and desires and pursue those desires without feeling shame or being victimized or being blamed or, you know, all, all of the things. I want a better world. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't want a better world for women. We don't have to mm -hmm. add that modifier, you know. Mm -hmm. It's... I want a safer place for Trent and Jane mm -hmm. to grow up in and, and feel like their thoughts and feelings and are valid and safe mm -hmm. and that they are valid and safe. Exactly. And well, that's it. And I think that that's so good. I, I think that um, when you asked the first question, like what grieved you about, what broke your heart about mm -hmm. this past year, right? Like it's really a tie for me. Like, that what I, what I shared earlier broke my heart. The other thing that broke my heart is the crack that went through humanity mm -hmm. where suddenly we are us versus them on so many different levels, not just the men and women, not just the right and left, not just all of a sudden, like people have armed themselves behind fences and they believe that they're innately right about whatever it is that they believe on either side. And, um, in my, in my opinion, which is not at all expert, um, although I am pretty much an expert on feelings. Um, <laughs> we got our feelings expert. I have right? my doctorate in feelings. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I would highly recommend, Brené Brown is an author and a clinical research, social worker researcher, Dr. Brené Brown. Um, she has a new book called Braving the Wilderness, and it is amazing. And it talks about the rift in our country, and it talks about a way forward. Um, and it's fascinating. She she uses, and I'm not going to do any of it justice, like uh, all the numbers and whatnot. But she talks about this issue of of sorting, and she says that uh, the issue of sorting in 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 clinical psychology, clinical sociology, is the idea that um, people live in more hom homogenous zones. So like um, you sort yourselves into working, living, shopping, worshiping, uh, socializing with people who are who look like you act like you think like you talk mm -hmm. like you believe like you um and that there's this data that shows that since the 70s till now we are like 80 percent more sorted than we've ever been really as a society Aww. we live like we are more sorted and that and she's like you know as a as a researcher i look and i say well that would mean that we should be less lonely we should be more connected to one another because all of a sudden we're with people who look and act and feel and think just like we do and that the the numbers are 
staggering that loneliness is on the rise and suicidality. It just sounds so boring. It's, it sounds so boring. It does, except that in some ways, we we feminists, we people who, we do it as well. We want to mm-hmm. surround ourselves with people who look, act, think, and talk exactly like we do. Mm-hmm. Like, how many times do you sit down across a table and have a kind, respectful discourse with someone who believes 100% different than you do? Every Thanksgiving. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Once a year, <laughs> and we dread it, and we try to drink our way yeah, through it. We do right? drink our like, way through it, yeah. So, but, but she talks about, like, we have have to kind of put our bullshit meter down like mm-hmm. because we all kind of bs our way through a lot of things mm-hmm. um we think we know about stuff we try to act like we totally defend our In position like because well my friends talked about that that was this thing and um and we need to be able to to break the fences down and I, come to the table i love that absolutely love that because one of the things that I've been practicing on this year, and it's one of my New Year's resolutions, is to try and see from the other side of the fence. Sure. And, and one of the things that I'm an expert at, where you're the expert at emotion, is taking emotion out of it and looking at it from a logical standpoint. Why do they think this way? And mm-hmm. keeping it empathetic without heightened emotion. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was telling a few of them earlier, I was listening to a conservative talk person that, is on YouTube and he was talking about some statistics and stuff and he cited his sources and everything. And I'm like, all right, I can see where you're coming from. You have these sources, you have cited them. I think they may be a little skewed, but all right, I'll look into it because I came to it not emotionally. There were parts where I was like, Psh, that ain't true. But you know, <laughs> but then I was like, calm down, Nikki, mm-hmm. just listen to it. And he actually had some valid arguments whether i agreed with them or not you know is a different story but that's my my schema my own personal experience and um but that is something that needs to happen is to have a conversation Mm -hmm. that's not influenced by emotion a thousand conversations a thousand upon thousands of conversations well and that's something that that you guys dovetailed me nicely into something my husband and I were talking about. And, and the next thing I wanted to bring up is how do we keep this conversation going? And the second part of that is how do we keep this conversation going with people we don't agree with, mm-hmm. with people that don't see the world the way that we do? And I'm not saying, like, how do we get out there and convert everyone? It's how do we continue this dialogue to where we, we don't get back into silence. We don't get back into complicity. We don't get back into, you know, basically, how do we make the world a better place? Like, how how do you, in very concrete, tangible ways, and I don't have answers, so if you don't, it's okay. I'm not going to call on you by name and be like, what's the solution? Kind We refuse um, to apologize yeah. for taking up space on this planet. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and we as women... We don't. We don't. We I take mean, up the majority we, of the space. We are so. taught. <laughs> She's just like sitting in every chair somehow right now. I don't know how you do it. Nikki. Right? <laughs> it's amazing. How? How I, do you I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell a personal anecdote. I was I was at a corner shop um, a week or two weeks ago, and in this very large, very angry man walked past me uttered an ethnic slur under his breath, not directed at me, directed at the person that he just had a conversation with. And there was a time in my life where I would have just ignored it. I would have pretended like it didn't happen. And I'm not saying this is an easy thing to do because I'm I'm a little girl. And I was taught <laughs> that 
you know, go along to get along, you know, be polite, be apologetic, all of these things. But I just couldn't. I couldn't I couldn't do it. I I was like, hey, that is no that that Not has cool. no place, you know, in 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 any of this. Like I don't even understand why you said that, but I don't appreciate you getting it on me, you know. But I really thought hard about how I walked out of that store and I got in the car with my husband and I was like, you know, and I was shaking and I realized that that was such an un, that was so antithetical to what I'd been taught. But you I, needed as, to do that. As a lady. Yeah. And what was his reaction? Was there a reaction? He was pissed um, and, and then tried to like argue his point of view and I was like, I don't, I don't care. I don't really need to know why you felt the need to utter. I was like, I'm just telling you that, you know, that's an inappropriate way to respond, especially if you're trying to get people to agree with you, you know, and mm-hmm. it was the best I could do at the time. You know? <laughs> I walked out to the car and in my, in my head, I was like, it is 2017. Like how, how is that even okay? You Maybe know, but you I changed him though. Let's hope you did. I, I would love or at it. least made him think that's something it's Kevin, you know, that was some, Kevin, my husband pauses. said, he's like, I was like, maybe next time mm-hmm. it, he'll at least it'll give him pause. That maybe that's not, you know, I, I can hope, I can wish. I have a very similar story. I was at an OU game, and which I will never go to again. No it's offense, like, OU. There's just too many people at OU games, and uh, my anxiety just cannot take it. I oh discovered yeah. that. <laughs> Sorry, we, Sorry. Had, we, had a, we had a phone. Speak up. That's what happens when you sit on it. But um, uh, too many people, and just... Not that into football, apparently. I'll right. watch it at home. Not that committed to <laughs> but, you know, brave. I had four people. drunk frat boys behind me, and it was homecoming. And, of course, you know, the homecoming, elect, elected homecoming queens come out. And, you know, they're from different groups and everything. And they started talking trash on one of them. And gorgeous girl, but they're not stereotypically, you know, I guess what they thought should be homecoming. And I have a 13-year-old girl, not next to me. Her dad was next to me, but beside him. And they're just talking trash about this girl. And, like, the whole time, I'm just getting mad mm-hmm. and angrier. And I'm like, they're drunk, they're drunk, they're drunk, they're drunk. Just ignore it. Yeah, you and find if, yourself making apologies. And then I'm, the, finally I was like, F this, no. I turn around and start chewing them out. I'm like, there's a little girl over there. They d- does not need to hear your stuff. And... You know, and I chewed them out. They were getting mad at me because they're drunk. And they're mm-hmm. like, and I was like, you disgust me. You're disgusting. And they're like, I'm disgusting. You're the one that is talking crap when I didn't even do anything to you. And I was like, yeah, you're behind me. You're talking crap. I don't like it. And I had to, I ended up having to leave. Like, mm-hmm. I left the game. I had a panic attack shortly afterwards. But I said something. So it was just like right. one of those, it's, it's where you have to really condition. And it's sad that we have to get to that point. Yeah, now. that was my commentary is that it was so antithetical to be to but, what I'd been taught. But one of the guys, when I was leaving, because I chewed them out and then was in protest storming away <laughs> to or go have my panic your, attack. Yeah. I was like, I am going to go lose it now. And he he didn't. He just kind of touched my shoulder, and he goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They're, he's like, they're drunk, you know, I'm sorry about their behavior. And I was like, them being drunk is not an excuse, but I appreciate the apology. At least it made one of them think. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, That's all you can hope. Yeah. Is that next time, 
hopefully there's not a next time but if next time maybe it will give them pause yes. and that's how I, that's how slow that's change my occurs. best solution like that i can think of that's my best that that is i guess you could call it my new year's resolution is maybe next you know is to in those quiet moments i'll be you know seize that ability to say something and as you know without putting yourself in any danger which is awful that that's a thing those guys um but yeah (laughs) to to maybe next so that hopefully if there is a next time give them pause Mm -hmm. that's all i ask that's that's you know that's how little that's how change happens is gradually and over you know a series of moments well and i would go one step further and say if you can find it in yourself to believe that you can take up the space to believe that your voice can be heard and matters and to figure out a way to say it kindly mm-hmm. and to say it as a respectful thing to the other human, because that's the piece that we're missing. Mm-hmm. We're all yelling at each other a whole lot behind screens. We're real powerful behind our screens and we're saying, making missives and saying things and we're missing the humanity that is there. Like mm-hmm. those are boys who are so insecure about their life that they went to a party with a group of friends. They are children and they have been taught to look at women a certain way and they think they're being cool because they want to talk bad about a girl to, with each other. And all of that is really sad. Mm-hmm. Like, and so if you can take up your space enough to like see their humanity, but somehow speak kindly after the election, uh, my parents are, are very, very, uh, conservative and, um, I work in a day job with my dad and uh so we take up a lot of space together and just one door away uh and after the election we i posted something and it upset my dad and he emailed me and he emailed me something and it, he was trying to be kind um but it was real hurtful and i said you know what dad i think we need to sit down i went into his office the next day and i said dad i said whenever you're ready i'd like to sit down and face to face talk through this you know, just the two of us. Um, I'm not here to tell you what you did was wrong or to say what I did was the most right thing in, you know, voting. It is an intensely personal thing who you vote for and why those are intensely personal decisions Mm -hmm. for every single person that made those decisions. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with how people who voted for Trump voted. Like I, I I cannot, it, it blows my mind, but my dad, who's a great man, had infinitely good reasons for himself why he made the decision that he made. Mm-hmm. And we sat for 90 minutes across the table and I listened to him tell me the reasons and he listened to me tell him mine. We didn't leave agreeing, but I left understanding him more. Mm-hmm. And I had, there was no harsh words said, there were no disrespectful words said, the, the conversation remained kind. And it was like a unicorn. Right. It was like, how does this even happen? <laughs> but, but because of what I, I found myself online saying, okay, you guys be kind to each other. Please be kind to each other. Please be kind to each other. You know, I was raised in a massively Christian evangelical world. So like my Facebook feed is equal parts, mm-hmm. equal parts. I was too. Like, so for, and my husband's like, oh, I'm not seeing any of that. I'm like, well, you're lucky, mm-hmm. but I'm seeing all of it. And these people are being horrible to each other on both sides. On oh, both sides. Yeah, yeah. Like, and so I was like, there, but, but I realized I was like, I have to put the rubber has to meet the road. Like I, 
I have to try this. I have to try having a kind, respectful discourse before I ask others to do the same. And so I challenged myself. Like, and it was hard. Like, and I, I cried, you know, I said, dad, you elected a sexual predator and your daughter was sexually abused. And you know that like that I, I can't, I can't even like, and he came into my pain with me and he felt it. And he, and I, I felt that he had heard me. It didn't change his vote. Mm-hmm. Like even that didn't yeah. change his vote, but he heard me and that has shaped how our conversations have gone for the rest of the year. Um, so I'm not, I haven't got anything figured out, but I do think it's important for us to unsort ourselves and to challenge ourselves to break bread and have a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Take somebody to coffee who believes totally different than you. That person on Facebook that makes you mad from high school, like what would happen if you took them to coffee and Absolutely. talked about their life and said, okay, okay, okay. Politics aside, like mm-hmm. how's your marriage? How's your heart? Right. Man, like I saw that you were struggling with that thing. Like, what was it? Like, and find who that person is as a human, because mm-hmm. our only way forward is to see each other as humans. Yes, That's I feel our like only way I forward. feel like the generation, the 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 liberal generation after the conservative generation will change the world because people like yourself, uh, who are going, these are the people who raised me, or this is the world I lived in for my childhood. And now I don't think the same, either I don't think the same ways anymore or I never thought the same way as them. I think that's a really powerful thing. I was cocooned, I have really liberal parents. So it kind of blows my mind meeting my in-laws who I love, I absolutely love them. And the fact that they are so conservative and have such, such a different worldview than me has really sort of expanded my world in this crazy way because I'm like, but I love them. Like literally we can talk for hours about our shared interests, our whatever, you know, but we, but when it comes to politics, they literally, to me, it's like talking to somebody from outer space. It's like that different from me. And so it's, and I think it's, but I watched my husband go through that kind of thing where he says, I've never felt comfortable in this world. I've always felt the, like a, the different person in this realm. And so, it's for I think for him, and then it's so funny because our world view is so different. It's it's similar politically, but it's different. Like I was on election night, just dumbfounded and in denial, going through the stages of grief like you do, because I'm such a liberal person and I was raised by liberal people, and I thought, well, everyone thinks. <laughs> You know? Right? Everyone's then, reasonable, right? And then, but he goes, oh, no, I'm not surprised by that. I totally thought, he goes, I didn't, he goes, I thought it, yeah, he's like, I totally thought something like that would happen. I was totally prepared for that. And I was like, I thought you were joking. Like, I, <laughs> I didn't, I was not. I wanted ex- to believe you were joking. Exactly, exactly, you know? Yeah. And so I think that, I think that people with, who are, who are sort of, who are able to have those conversations, and that's a beautiful story, are, are going to sort of, change the world in a way like we we talked earlier about how homosexuality is so much more accepted and 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 because people literally people from from all political backgrounds a a lot of them looked at the older generation and said this is what was it the somebody's story about like an older politician and they're debating whether gay marriage should be legalized and their young daughter who was a young republican looked at them and said this issues gonna die out as soon as you guys are done talking because none of us care you know (laughs) I mean and that was that was being that was being generous because a lot of the world still does care and we're still combating sort of prejudice on that end but 
it's it's it, it's I think it's a it's an interesting I think it'll be an interesting world when when in about 25 years from now to see where we're at to see whether when some of the baby boomers sort of and I'm not blaming baby boomers I'm just saying when some of them leave what really is our work to be done in that point you know well the thing about older generations is um, something that I've come to realize over the last couple of years is that I'm not my grandmother my grandmothers I'm not my great-grandmothers I don't have to fall on a sword for the sake of keeping the peace in my life I don't have to put up with infantile behavior mm-hmm. I don't have to um, you know I am I am very educated I'm very determined um, I am ambitious and I don't have to be the mother to grown people right. I don't have to put up with anything that I don't want to because I am not um, in the 1920s, my livelihood does not depend on my an, in the nearest male in you know in the vicinity. Um, I do have the right to self determination, and so in 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 my personal awakening, just kind of came along and is so gratifying with the Me Too movement because I finally felt, hey, I've been putting up with a lot of this stuff for a long time, and I don't have to anymore, and I kind of knew deep down inside that I didn't want to put up with it Mm -hmm. but I finally had just said nah nah that's I don't want to die in this situation Mm -hmm. I want to build the best life for me isn't that an amazing feeling it feels it's liberating it is that's exactly how I felt when I got divorced like it was just yep mm -hmm. and because you because I was a stay-at-home mom for eight years and I got married right out of high school he wouldn't let me get my driver's license. He wouldn't let me go to school. And it was pretty much, you're here to take care of the house and have children. And I wouldn't trade my kids for the world. Don't get me oh, wrong. Oh, absolutely. I, I will I will fight off anybody for <laughs> yes. my little I, I, I love my yeah. babies. They're the best thing that came out of that. Oh, yes. But then I decided to get divorced. And that's when my emotional walls started to crumble because like I was open to whatever I wanted to do I didn't have to do anything if I didn't want to I didn't have to please somebody just so there was peace in the house exactly and that's exactly that it feeling unless you've been in that situation is so liberating and like I'm, I'm about to cry. <laughs> so it's just. And there we talk about the strength of the the numbers. It's yes. a numbers game. But there are so many women who have maybe come to the same place that we have. Mm-hmm. Being like, oh, you know, my mother got chased around a desk, and I got chased around a desk. And but we are not. We don't have mm-hmm. to fall on the grenade mm-hmm. anymore. We don't have to. And we can make it on our own. Like, that was one of the things that really held me back because I never had a job, never had, you know, didn't have a license for a long time until my son started kindergarten and someone had to take him to school, so I had to get my license. And so I was, like, 24 by the time uh, I got my (laughs) driver's license. And when I got divorced, you know, I was like, 
I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. It's going to be fine. You know, you kind of had to psych yourself up. (laughs) It is very, very scary. And that is not to take away from. Mm -hmm. It is very scary. Mm -hmm. Very terrifying. Oh, it's horrifying. Oh, yeah. And there are going to be days when you're like, oh, I just want to go back to the way things were. Mm -hmm. It was so much easier. You know, I didn't have to make all But those feelings shall pass. But then (laughs) you get your first place. And then you get your first raise. And then you get a promotion and then you realize how far you can go and you realize how smart you actually are because someone's told you all the whole time that you'll never make it without them and oh yeah that you're not worth it your wants aren't as important as that no person's one will ever wants. want you because you have two kids no one's mm-hmm. going to want to take that on and i have found a wonderful person who is willing to take that on and loves my children deeply and so it is something that you you believe these lies that you are told, and then you find out they're lies, mm-hmm. and it is the most freeing experience in the world. And I just can't even begin to explain to anyone out there in a situation like that, it gets better, and it's far <laughs> better than you'll ever imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. I love that. I love it, too. I And I love that you are here speaking that truth for people who haven't gotten there yet. You know, it, those it, people that don't believe it's possible or that it does get better or that, you know, that's a, that is a huge empowering statement. It, it reminds me of the, the Dan Savage movement where, mm-hmm. you know, he started with his It Gets Better video. And this, I mean, same, same, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it dovetails into the, you know, Inspiring someone can be something as easy as living the life that someone else doesn't think is possible. So, um, wow, that was just great. And like all of that was just just a little bit. It sounds a lot harder than it actually is. Like you don't think you can do it, and you like in your head you're like, "There's no way. There is no way I can leave. There's nowhere for me to go." But there's usually always someone out there that will help you even if you don't want anybody else <laughs> yeah. for the foreseeable future well i mean like just like yeah because like i stayed no, at I a friend's you. house for the first four months of my divorce because not to get into the too gritty details i got kicked out of the house and um and so like I slept on my friend's couch for four months until I found a job and was able to get a place of my own. So, you know, there are people out there. It it's not ideal and you know, couches aren't that comfortable. But I get to do what I want. I get to go where I want. I get to talk to the people I want to talk to. I don't have someone looking over my shoulder the whole time. And that was worth more to me than having a bed to sleep in. Yeah. So Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of places for you to go. There are plenty of resources, which is another thing I would like to shout out there. Uh, Norma especially has some really good resources. Oklahoma City has some really good wom- women's shelters if you need them. Um, and they have, oh, God, unlimited. Not I wouldn't say unlimited. I wish it was unlimited. But there are plenty of places that will help. Um, I know personally there's a lot of what they call angels. They're basically like an underground railroad for women that need to get out of abusive situations. If you, just a quick Google search and you can find them. I mean, it's it's that easy. You just got to be brave enough to take it. Public um, announcement. Oh. Right? <laughs> that's your pick. That's it. Yeah, jumping off what Casey 
said earlier about just continuing the conversation, um, I would just say don't go in guns blazing assuming that just because someone maybe hasn't taken a strong stance about the situation that they've made up their mind um, or that they haven't made up their mind just because they're silent. Um, going in and attacking and saying that they've chosen a side when they haven't might make them choose a side. Mm -hmm. Right. And it might be the one that you don't want them Very to take valid. just because you're the face of that now. Excellent mm -hmm. point. Personal yeah, experience. I mean, that's, <laughs> an yeah. that's another indication why kindness is the way to go. Yeah. You know, I mean, is mm -hmm. to not... No, maybe maybe you will be the you're, maybe no one has ever ambassador. sat down with that person mm -hmm. and yeah. said, and "I respect." Might not be strong enough to actually take a stand out loud right now, like mm -hmm. they might have made up their mind. They might be like, "Well, this really sucks. These people suck." But it's hard when you're a fan of someone. It's a little, it's harder when you're a friend of someone. Yeah. Um, in more personal circumstances, um, it isn't easy to get no. up and maybe possibly destroy friendships. To take a stand, it's a really hard thing. Mm -hmm. I think we have to make our goal connection, not conversion. Mm -hmm. You can't no, always bring somebody along. Of course, of course. Yeah. Well, and just as a clarification, I don't mean kindness as laying down and taking it. I mean kindness mm -hmm. as like a mutual respect as a right. human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I don't mean kindness as like we women got to be kind. Like no, I, I very much that's just taking mean the like, step backwards too. You yeah, don't. Like, you know your your thoughts aren't valid. You're taking it. You're being brash can yeah. use whatever adjective you like their adverb adjective yeah <laughs> they're terrible we don't need them but yeah no kindness does not kindness is much it's much harder to sit down across the table from someone who doesn't fundamentally agree with you yeah. than it is to sit you know comfortably among your 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 peers who have your similar tribe. interests your tribe exactly yeah. um it's it's so much harder to do what we you know what we talked about even you know and you're not gonna nail it every time. That's okay, but making the effort is how we're gonna we're gonna change this world. It's it's the tiny bold moves. It's not the you know. Can I say something I liked about 2017? Absolutely, I love it. I think it's it was the year of people of well, and this is like a lot of you have pointed out. This has been going on for years, but maybe this is the first time I became woke to it gosh I'm really not comfortable using that term because <laughs> I'm so like super old um but the the it was the first time that I became distinctly aware that people are talking about the hardest most what what had been kept for private for so long mm -hmm. uh, people mm -hmm. are talking about the hardest things that they are dealing with in their life openly mm -hmm. it's uh me too is part of that Patton Oswalt's latest um, uh, comedy, uh, uh, comedy special on Netflix about is a, his about his wife. Yeah. Is about that. Tig uh, Natero. Am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. um, she. I think this was before 2017. But her cancer story and her her story. I feel like I clued into that more than ever. Sort of at the very beginning of 2017, and uh, it's the idea that we can talk about what is the hardest thing in our lives and we can talk about it openly and we can encounter other people with like you said the kindness that we need to encounter them with and i think it's it's wonderful because everybody in this world has to deal with grief like grief of the loss of a loved one um not everybody lost loses their partner or their mom uh, at a certain point but we all deal with the loss of people and we all deal with illness and cancer is 
everywhere and, and you know like we were talking earlier about the plague <laughs> before the podcast started and how we were yeah we were discussing <laughs> the plague just because we could and uh, it, it comes it, up anyway it's just we we all have wh- what are things that we've never talked about before my mom and I had a conversation earlier this month about maybe not the hardest things we've ever had to deal with but like think it was because of the me too movement things that she'd never shared with me and I don't think she'd ever talked about with anybody mm-hmm. and it was like it was amazing to hear my mother say this happened to me and yeah. I never talked about it yeah and it wasn't and it and it and and so it's 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 I think it's and even if it wasn't something that was at the top of the scale of the me too stuff it still was something that happened to her and it was something she's always been ashamed of or whatever and i i think that those are these are the conversations that we are able to have now and i think it's terrific to hear it from men and women and from all different ages i think it's i think it's great i think opening opening up the truth like yeah. like you've been talking about people reaching out to you people going I've never talked about this people saying and it's just because you hear somebody else talk about it I'm right. sure people are hearing Pat Oswald talk about his loss and going you know what I've never told anybody about what I've been going through right. I just had a miscarriage I just lost a spouse mm-hmm. I just lost my mom I you know those things yeah, yeah absolutely it's radical absolutely. vulnerability mm-hmm. like yeah. I do a thing called truth booking on Facebook. I love it. I'm like, I just need more truth up here, people. Like, right. you are I just not, need... your kids are not that cute. Like, you're <laughs> on vacation all the time. Could you please just keep it real? And so I just hashtag truth booking. And all of a sudden, like, people just, truth booking just pops that place as it cracks me up. But that it makes just makes me my so wonderful. I love the real in here, people. Yeah. Like, because it's not, it, the, the truth is, is that radical vulnerability will change the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because when we realize how much more alike we are than different that will change the world and you know Brené Brown talks about vulnerability is not weakness it is strength it is the bravest thing you can do is to stand in your story and own it which is what me too was me too was this huge wave of people standing in their story and gaining power from using their voice and and we all need to do that in places in our life yeah. i love that aaron you're so like, right. I, I, I want to start an Instagram account that's just me and my horrible selfies. I'm late to the game on selfies. People have been doing it for like <laughs> 10 years now. I just like literally started probably a year and a half ago and I do them so sporadically and I have to take 60 before I get one that looks remotely like me looking okay. I'll give o- you some lessons. Me looking okay. So I just want to do like, I want an Instagram and I just want to take everything from my camera feed and, and just, like all the bad oh, ones totally. and just put it out there and be like, this is what I probably look like to a lot of people. <laughs> this is all you you've ever seen this is maybe what same yeah no filters let's do this no filters i look no makeup Uh, yeah to go back to what you were saying about how that open dialogue is happening with you with people telling you your story the same has happened to me as well because ever since i got diagnosed with my uh hypervigilance and generalized anxiety disorder and I'm very open about it. Like, I've mentioned it on the podcast all the time. You know, I tell people, I'm sorry, I got to take my pill. You know? <laughs> it's how I function normally, you know? <laughs> so, And they're like, oh, you have an anxiety disorder. Well, I'm suffering from depression right now. And they'll tell me their story. And I'm always like, go to therapy. Therapy. And then I give them that spill. It's not easy. It's not fun. It's not something that you want to do. And, you know, you. I know they're like, well, I don't want to be on any medication. And I always relay the story this is how I got on medication, is my brother-in-law, I love my sister to death, and I love my brother-in-law. 
very few people can say this, so I, I like to state it. Um, he went to Afghanistan, and when he came back, he had to get on antidepressants and um, sleeping pills because he couldn't sleep because of PTSD. And I was going through a huge mental breakdown at the time, and he shared his story with me. And this is one of the reasons I share my story with everyone is because he goes, Nikki, I went to war, and that broke me. He goes, you're fighting your own war, and it's breaking you. It's okay to take that medication if it makes you feel normal and gets you through the day and gets you better. And so having that open dialogue and letting that vulnerability out is so important because you never know who you're affecting and who can open up and be like, okay, well, that's okay then. If it's okay for her, then maybe it's okay for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking out matters on Definitely. all sorts of things. I mean, I, and I live in, I live a public life. Like I live a life where fans come and talk to me after shows and, you know, uh, and people email me like, so I, I, not everybody does that. Like <laughs> it's weird. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the more honest we can be about what's real, um, and what's true, like it'll, it'll change the world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it also gives up that delusion, like you were talking about truth, you know, truth book or whatever you're talking about. Truth booking. Truth booking. <laughs> and, you know, it gives up that illusion that people are living these perfect lives. Right, because we're all, we're all comparing our real life to somebody else's highlight reel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every day, all day long. Mm, like, yeah. you can't And it's win. ridiculous. You yeah. can't, you, you can only own your own life. And the more honest and vulnerable we are about that it's hard that it's, it's so I, we all have challenges, you know, the more we, we own that conversation, it can expand into, you know, that radical vulnerability that we're talking about. And that can, only good can come of that, yep. you know, only good. And it's terrifying. And it's terrifying. It's, it's, like, yeah. it's tight roping without a net. It is absolutely terrifying. And because, and it's like, I, I feel like the, the 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 culture of geek or nerds has really been an, a long form example of this is because now the internet has made uh, our interests ex- like quote unquote acceptable mm-hmm. like our like I, Nikki talks a lot about her journey as a gamer and how it wasn't accepted where she came from and the people she was with at a certain point and so it was a real uphill battle for her and um, I've always felt comfortable in my like geekiness but like i've but i've never been like the kid wearing a doctor who t-shirt speaking klingon in the corner do you know what i mean (laughs) so like i never had a real outward like look about it i guess so uh i just knew i like star wars and i like certain things and Mm -hmm. and um those are sort of but i feel like we've all been able to like come out and there's so many because we have the internet we've all joined together my specific geek interest is nail polish which is if you're if you're just hearing about it and you're not aware of how present that is on the internet just do a youtube search for nail polish reviews and you will see a thousand people like it is really your nails are on there. point yes. today but it's like so much i came I to love this color. through Aaron. <laughs> like it's a yes. thing and i've it's and thing. it's like if you don't know about it it sounds like stupid or weird or why would you do why that is there like why is there for the for a very specific cosmetic <laughs> like what and yet we are we are a community and we've come together and then we talk to each other we it's it's an amazing the internet the internet has just made it a community that's really important so anyway that's just me so if you like nail polish contact me i'll give out my twitter stuff later 
it's it's fascinating. Like I never thought I would, I, and I'm fascinated. I'm absolutely, especially someone I always love with when terrible, you're on terrible Twitter nails and, and cuticles. You ha- like, and you, I'm, I just watch it with envy. I bite my nails, but I always like when you post the pictures of like the. They always do the the nail polish, holding it, and then like their nails showing the co- actual Have you color seen, of it. You seen hers, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. It's perfect. And I'm like, oh, it's how do you get those smooth edges? I don't understand. <laughs> so now I'm intimidated by your nails, right? <laughs> no, I don't now I'm like, beautiful. my nails aren't ever gonna live up to your no. nails, Erin. You, and, and remember, that's, that's the most yeah. beautiful thing about our community is that there are people out there who are literally like nail models with perfectly long nails that are just perfect in every way, and there are literally people who have the shortest nails. I, ha- I didn't even think that, that was physically possible to have nails that short because and it's like we're all here loving nail polish and it doesn't matter <laughs> and it's all points in between it's people and it's and, is and there nail polish conventions oh my god yeah we could have a whole <laughs> oh my god we could have a whole thing on just the nail polish conventions and I'm wanting to, I'm trying to campaign to now bring one I'm, to Oklahoma City because I really I'm need all it like can we do a show on this like, can we do can a show we legitimately yeah, like not completely Mike's, visual Mike's giving me the thumbs the up thumbs we up. totally can't <laughs> your guys are so lovely we'll talk about dates yeah all right, I've got to do a little housekeeping, and um, I would love to sit and talk with you ladies all day, but I know that some of you may have other things you need to go do, so um, I, th- I think that's going to be our show, and thank you. Thank you for ending up. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm so glad no, we did, like because not all, thing you can this, <laughs> not all of this needs to be, we can have Heavy. fun with it. My, my parting thought is... Have you guys seen the rock test? Because it's awesome. What's rock What's test? Rock? What is it? Okay. <laughs> and my brother, who is incredible, um, <laughs> is who brought me to the party. Um, there, there was an anonymous woman, on, and she was trying to determine a metric for what is appropriate and inappropriate when dealing with You've seen Courtney yeah. totally knows what's, go, what's up. Um, <laughs> what's appropriate and inappropriate in talking to... Um, for, for, for men who aren't, you know, comfortable or, or are feeling a bit overwhelmed with what's appropriate and inappropriate talking to your female coworkers, she suggested that imagine you saying the thing and then imagine you saying the thing to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> and if it doesn't pass that test, don't say it. Double down on that when Dwayne The Rock Johnson caught wind of it, and he's like, I approve of this. I 1,000% approve. And I'm like, that's because he's a good dude. I love but him. no, I love it, and I use it, like, you know, and, and, I, and I encourage everyone else to use it, but it's, we don't have to be all, you know. Down. Down. Or, or, or negative. We can have fun with the fact that, you know, we want to be an inclusive, better world. I mean, like, the that's, top three movies of yes, 2017. Right? I was about to say that. Start mm-hmm. with All featured. Yeah. yeah, ladies, you know, I would, yes. <laughs> given infinite time, um, and this is something we can think about for next time if we want to do it, is positive representations of women um, and feminism in, in media this year. Oh, mine, I have mine so was many the crown. for video games. Um, watching yeah. Elizabeth yeah, a lot of roll her, literally roll her eyes as she gets mansplained over and over and <laughs> over, over again, and, o- all and watch long. her drop the mic on every single one of those dudes in a very subtle, graceful way. But watch her own that. You know, it's when we get to, you know, when we get to the diversion about Philip, I'm like, nobody cares. Get back to E. Come on. You know. But you know, that's just one example of, of many great inclusive media that's Star that's Wars. happening. All those Star women Wars. pilots. Bill infant interestingly, Bill Nye saves the world. Um 
so many ladies, people of color, like science is not done by crusty old white dudes. Let's stop pretending it is. Like <laughs> that really is kind of the underlying theme. Albert of that Einstein's show. first wife. Just yeah. Here. yeah. Yeah. Totally. We're all going to Google now. I I know. I, will. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't watch that show because he's such a d bag. Like, but I appreciate what they were trying to do there. Anyway, um, the Oki Geek Podcast is brought to you by Oki Comics, a bi-monthly anthology publication showcasing the talents of Oklahoma creators with stories featuring Oklahoma. Copies are available at Half Price Books, New World Comics, Feeding Bullet Comics, All-Star Comics, Amazing Action Comics, Luton XP, Boarding House, Paseo Plunge, Museum of Osteology, and Commonplace Books with more locations coming soon. You can find out more at okicomics.com. And you can find us on our website, okigeek.com, also on Twitter and Facebook at Podcast, and... That's also the address for our Gmail account. We'd love to hear from you. And you can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Now, where can people find each of you on the World Wide Web? Who wants to start? Emily, Kelsey. I can start. Okay, Emily. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at S-A-V-I-E-M-0-1. Uh, my Twitter is currently private, but I'm going to unprivate again today. Yes. Some people were jerks. Um, hey. Also, you guys are on Patreon. You should totally check yeah. out. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Emily's. Thank you for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. laughing at me. Yes. Patreon. Uh, good looking out, Em. You can find me on Twitter at M-I-G-H-T-Y-A-N-I. That's at Mighty Annie. And my account is also locked right now. But just knock send on the door. Send a request. Right. Yeah, you can send a request. Door and I might, yeah. might invite you in. Yeah. Never... That that leads me to an interesting. Never feel the need to um, not own your right to reject, block, uh, keep private anything on your internet space. It's just like your your real life. Like if you don't associate with d bags or find out that someone is a d bag, never feel bad about blocking, muting, unfriending, um, rage quitting, <laughs> talking smack <laughs> about whatever. Like own own that and be fine with it. I it's fill up your like, space. Yeah, I don't still let use Twitter to talk to major corporations about how much they suck. So. That's fine. I have a friend who has a, a Twitter account solely to troll one politician. I mean, <laughs> and that's all she uses a Twitter account for, and that's fine. But give yourself that agency. Give yourself that license to never, you know, it is just like your real space, your, oh, your meat space. Absolutely. You know, block, unfriend. I am, I am a huge fan of Curate. Yeah. Curate, oh. curate, curate, curate. Oh, yeah. I don't follow, I don't, I don't do any, I don't do a lot of Facebook anymore, but I took everybody off that wasn't either a blood relative or someone I saw on a weekly basis. There you go. And it's made my life so much better. And, and I know it's supposed to be a community, but the fact that I, I'm trying not to feel bad about the fact that so-and-so wants to be my Facebook friend. And I'm like, just send me a text. Just be my real you friend. You know my number. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like anyway, there you um, go. I am at on Twitter and Instagram, and I do just kind of nail polish. So if you're not into nail polish, don't feel like you have to follow me or you, totally. I'm not going to talk about these beautiful issues that we talk about today on any of these feeds. So it's at Shakespeare underscore OKC, and those are so if you like if you like nail polish. What about Jane Austen? I do tweet a little bit about Jane Austen mm -hmm. and Elvis Star Wars. <laughs> I do tweet a little bit more than just nail polish, but Instagram is just nail polish. So <laughs> don't even, don't even. My Instagram is almost solely knitting. So. Knitting. I love it. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. There's, I was like, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. My Instagram's purely selfies. 
1,000% of never. Yeah, I don't ever. I'm never on Instagram. No. Although I got a new haircut. I have to showcase it, so. I may. I may. Well, we're taping, so. Look at it. Ooh. <laughs> that is so super adorable. It's pastel blue. I was like, it's winter time. It's kind of comic book blue. Yeah. I was like, it's winter time. I usually go blonde in the summer, so. I was like, blue for winter. I'm going to be Jack Frost. Where can we find you on the internet? (laughs) You can find me at Retro Robinson on Twitter. And you can also find me on the Okie Geek Facebook page. That's right. You run the Facebook page. (laughs) Yeah, not efficiently, but I will do better (laughs) now that finals are over. Yeah, right, now that you have a life. Now that I have a life again. You can find me on the Twitterverse at Wubba. That's Whiskey Unicorn Victor Victor Alpha. You can find me on Twitter. I'm Candice with a K and a Y. So it's K-A-N-D-Y-C-E-M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L. You can find me at my website, which is kcclifford.com. It's KC like Kansas City. Uh, K period C period no dots in the in the online stuff but um, I'm also on Facebook as Casey Clifford and Instagram you can find me on Twitter as Casey Clifford but I'm never on Twitter you can find Kelsey and I on the Chicks with Flicks podcast I'm on Twitter at hey CWF and we do have a Facebook and a barely used Instagram account hey yay all right and um Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and also rate us, leave a comment. As Emily mentioned, we do have a Patreon, and uh, we love our Patreons, our Patronuses. Patroni? Anyway. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Devin Green. I'm Nikki Robinson. And reminding you to keep calm and geek on. Geek on.